In reference to Penn State's second win of the season, I'm going to quote the great Andrew Field and more accurately Lou Brown, the manager from the movie Major League, and say, that's a winning streak. That's called a winning streak. (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Com Radio Football Insiders podcast. I am your host, Andrew Destin, joined alongside by DJ Bauer, Zach Donaldson, and of course, Andrew Field, the man who gave me the idea to start this podcast with a quote from Major League. But guys, we're now a day removed, 24 hours ago. Uh, Penn State's second straight victory, a 23-7 win over Rutgers. It's also Nittany Lions' 14th straight win over the Scarlet Knights all-time. Scoreboard doesn't really indicate how lopsided of a game this was, so I'll start with you, Andrew. What went well for Penn State in this game that really wasn't close from the first quarter on? Yeah, it really wasn't. I think starting fast, again, was something that Penn State was able to get out to and accomplish in the first quarter, getting out to a lead and establishing the ground game as well and setting the tempo for the rest of the game and kind of building a cushion uh, against Rutgers, you know, looking back at the series in in years past and Penn State has been able to dominate the series uh, since 1988 was the last time Rutgers was able to get a win over Penn State and Penn State has now won 14 in a row against the Scarlet Knights. So really Penn State has history on their side, but you know, even that being said, just the way that the season has gone, a momentum standpoint, Penn State needed to continue what they did last week, and they were able to do that. They were able to get out to a hot start on offense, and the defense was able to shut down Rutgers as well in the first half. So at one point, Penn State led 20 to nothing, and that was their largest lead all season. So really, that's something to build off of. We can talk about their, you know, kind of slower start in the second half, but Overall, in terms of stuff that they were able to do and kind of get out of the gate fast, that's something where I'm looking at as a positive momentum booster moving forward for the team and then kind of playing complimentary football on both sides, especially in the first half with the offense being successful um, in those first couple drives and being able to get points. Uh, And then the defense being able to get stops when they needed to and make plays kind of flying around and putting a a lot of pressure on Noah Vedrill So I thought that that was really a positive sign for the defense. And I think the tackling improved as well. Yes, there were some missed tackles. You you, you really see that every game with watching Penn State this year. But I think it has improved. Jonathan Sutherland was quick to say that he thought that that was a improved facet of the defense. So I do think that that is another confidence thing for the defense as well. So I think overall – you know, we'll get into it more about the defense, but I think both sides were able to do, we're able to basically get the job done. And that's really what I saw on Saturday. Yeah, you mentioned it, Field. Both sides of the ball were very clean for Penn State. And I do want to focus on the defense in particular. I don't think it's a stretch to say that this was their best performance of the season, especially in the first half. You know, I posted the numbers on Twitter. Penn State had 229 total yards by the end of the first half. Rutgers had 38. And Penn State was also outgaining them in first downs 14 to two and had, and, you know, was winning the time of possession battle by nearly double. Um, those are huge numbers that your defense is putting up. If you can put up those kinds of defensive numbers, you're giving your offense an amazing chance to win a football game. And sure enough, they came through, put 23 points on the board. You know, Rutgers was held to just seven. They kind of let that, you know, iron grip slip away from them a little bit in the second half. But by that point, um, the game was mostly well in hand. There was a little bit of scare there when Rutgers had some slight momentum on its side after the turnover, but the defense was still able to hold firm uh, in terms of, you know, maybe bending a little bit, but not breaking, not allowing any points uh, to Rutgers after that initial touchdown. Um, just a very impressive performance overall. And, and 
something that I have to point to as well is how clean they played. Only two penalties the entire day, one of them on the offense being that offside penalty against Shaka Tony. That was it. Um, in the postgame press conference, Franklin mentioned that they had returned to being that disciplined team that we wanted them to see. Uh, and they had struggles with earlier this year against, you know, Indiana and opponents like that. For them to only have two penalties all day, that really is a return to form in terms of that aspect of the game for Penn State. So, yeah, huge improvements on the defense, huge improvements in terms of playing clean, disciplined football. That's why they got the win. Yeah, Penn State secured its second win in a row this season, 14th in a row versus the Scarlet Knights on Saturday. And what I saw was a Penn State team that won by playing smash mouth football. The Nittany Lions, they played hard. They played fast. They completely dominated the line of scrimmage. One on the trenches, in both on one on the trenches on both sides of the ball, and you know let's start with the offensive line. So the offensive line, that's how I expected this unit to play for the entire season from the beginning of the season on. They're they're finally starting to mesh. They're they're finally starting to play as a group. And we saw on Saturday they were just absolutely physically dominating uh, the Rutgers defensive front. At at some points, the Scarlet Knights weren't even getting like three, four, five yards in the backfield. And, you know, that helped out the passing game uh, tremendously. Um, it allowed Clifford to be comfortable and manage the game well. The stats don't pop off the page. Um, he was only 15 of, of 22 for only 133 yards. But, you know, he looked comfortable, confident, and, and decisive, which is, is something that we haven't really seen from Clifford much this year. And then I think even more so the offensive lines play contributed to, to the rushing attack. There were just massive, you know, gaping holes um, that allowed that allowed the attack to just keep pounding it inside, keep getting tough yards, grinding out first downs. Penn State had five different rushers carry the ball 57 times for a total of 248 yards, which is definitely what they needed to do to get the win on Saturday. Um, it, Matt Millen um, was on the broadcast again, former Nittany Lion, who I assume has watched every game this year, um, if not more than once. And he said, this is the first time that I've, he said it a countless number of times, repeated it. This is the first time that I've seen Penn State's offensive line do this all season long. And I think that's really a tribute to, you know, how good the unit actually did play. And then I'll touch on the defensive line a little bit as well. Um, same thing on, same thing goes for them. Held records to, to 205 yards of total offense on defense. Um, the, and it, and it all starts up front. The The unit came out firing. Um, the draw was rattled, uncomfortable. The Scarlet Knights didn't um, really have any explosive plays, which is something that has plagued the Penn State defense uh, so far this year. Didn't allow the Rutgers run game to get going. Um, only 32 carries for 83 yards. And basically, they, they made the plays when they needed to, especially on fourth down. Um, got three stops and four tries. All the plays were made, you know, on the line of scrimmage and, and in the backfield. Um, so I, I think really, you know, just the Penn State's performance really comes down to, you know, just how hard they played and aggressive, you know, smash mouth football. And it all starts up front. Zach, you talked about that smash mouth football. And I know this was one of the tweets that I had during the game was that, um, you know, in our pregame show, I said Penn State, I wanted to see them run the ball at least 50 times if they wanted to win the game. And frankly, you, you just said it there. They ran the ball 57 times, easily the most carries of the season. And they did gain 248 yards. And five guys ran the ball, but three in particular, Kevon Lee, Devin Ford, Will Levis, they all ran for at least 65 yards. So I'll open it up to you guys. Um, Andrew, I'll start with you. 
of those three, Lee, Ford, and Levis, who stood out the most to you and, I guess, had the most impressive or most surprising performance of any of them? So I think Kevon Lee stood out the most, again, back-to-back weeks, being that leading rusher, that bell cow for Penn State, and just him being able to, you know, break tackles and, and push through um, in short yardage situations. That's where Penn State really likes him there, and he's being able to, you know, push forward and kind of be like a Noah Kane, like I mentioned uh, in weeks past. And that's something that I think in terms of a comparison, that's that's what you kind of see in him. But it was kind of funny because in the game, uh, I know Donaldson already re- referenced Matt Millen and Matt Millen has some pretty uh, candid quotes, but he said something that I thought was kind of funny where Lee was able to break through, especially when Penn State had the ball on their own two yard line uh, in the second half. It was actually a pretty critical possession. And Lee broke broke out and was able to get about 30, 32, 33 yards up to the 35. And then a penalty pushed it to the 50. But Matt Millen said, uh, you know, if that were Saquon Barkley, that'd be gone. Keevon Lee, not especially fleet of foot, I guess, if you want to say, but he's able to hit the hole and be decisive as a runner. And I think that that's really important when you're looking for a running back. Um, so, yeah, to me, he stood out the most. And I do think it was nice having Devin Ford back. Um, he was able to do some nice, thing, nice things as well. I think that was also particular to the offensive line, being able to create running lanes for him to get through. But it was nice to see Devin Ford score a touchdown um, after what he's, what he's been going through. I think that that's really um, pretty, pretty spectacular and pretty, uh, you know, well-deserved for Devin Ford. Um, you know, prayers out to him and his family after the loss of his brother. So I think that that's definitely um, something to, you know, keep, keep an open mind out for Penn State fans. You know, a lot of players are going through stuff. It's a tough time, tough period. But um, to see Devin Ford get in the end zone, that was also huge for me. Yeah, certainly best wishes to Devin Ford and all he's going through from us here on the Insiders podcast. Um, you mentioned it, Field. I, I do think Kevon Lee was the most impressive uh, running back on the field yesterday. Um, however, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit of a strange answer to your question here, Destin, and say the, the player or players that most impressed me in the running game was the offensive line. Uh, this is probably the second most thing, the second biggest thing that I think Franklin has repeated as being Penn State's most important priority in, in press conferences, obviously number one being turnovers. I think number two would be winning the battle at the line of scrimmage. Uh, and this was the most decisive victory at the battle uh, at the line of scrimmage for Penn State all year. Um, I'll get more into the defensive aspect of that later. In terms of the offensive aspect, you know, uh, another quote here from Matt Millen, they were, ma- they were making holes that a truck could drive through. And I know you put that in your, your post-game article field. Great quote there from Matt Millen. It was true. Um, you know, Kevon Lee, part of the reason why he succeeded so much is because the offensive line was playing absolutely fantastic football. Um, and this is something that we really hadn't seen from them much this year. There were games um, where, you know, Clifford was under constant, you know, struggles to, to, to roll out and find an open man because he just didn't have the time. Obviously, Penn State being stuffed in the running game in the first couple games this year was a a symptom of that as well. Now they're finally starting to gel. They're starting to come together. Um, We're starting to see the veteran leadership and guys like Will Fries and and Michael Mennett and Mike Miranda really lead this team. And the younger guys, too, like like Caden Wallace and Drew Scruggs are really playing excellent football on the line. Um, Not just in the running game aspect, but like I mentioned, in the passing game aspect, too. Clifford was really only pressured twice all day. Um, both of them resulted in sacks, but, you know, other than that, you take a look at the other side of the field, um, 
you know, Noah, Noah Vedral was being harassed by Penn State all day long. So it's night and day difference there in terms of how these offensive lines performed. Um, so absolutely a victory at the battle of the line of scrimmage. And I think because of how the offensive line played, that's why the running back, the, the running game was so successful for Penn State. So they're, they're my pick for the, the most important contributor. Yeah, absolutely. As I praise them uh, in my little opening statement, I think the offensive line, you know, it's, it starts with them. Um, and, and they were certainly, you know, the catalyst for the successive rushing attack that Penn State had um, this Saturday. Um, Field, you talked about Kavon Lee a little bit. I would say that would probably be my, my pick as well. He, he really, you know, built off of his kind of breakout performance uh, versus Michigan, had another great day. Um, but I'm going to go with someone that we none of you two talked about. I'm going to say Will Levis. You know, I think Will Levis really came in uh, when, you know, he was called upon. And he, he ran the ball really, really tough. 17 carries for 65 yards. I thought he was uh, getting a lot of tough yards, bouncing off of tacklers, um, con converting some crucial downs for the Nittany Lions. And, you know, I think just really – with with everything that he's had to you know go through with the with the quarterback controversy i think he i'll give credit to sean clifford too i think they've really you know dealt with it well um and then levis comes in he, he knows his role he, he's a he's a, a big body you know hard runner and that's what he did on saturday for um the nittany lions offense um I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about you know the the play calling a little bit later um in the in the podcast the fact that no, there weren't any throws mixed into that that package with with Will Levis, um, but at, in terms of his running, um, I'd say he definitely you know impressed and and got the job done. Did what he have to had to do uh, to help the Nittany Lions get the victory. Well, you talked about Will Levis's impact running the ball, and it, really he was just another rushing option for Penn State. They had so many guys to turn to in that game against Rutgers, but it seemed like at the quarterback position, him and Sean Clifford at times. Uh, they were essentially splitting times in the backfield, the quarterback position, that there were a lot of series. I know when it was really close to their own end zone that Penn State would elect to have Levis in there because they're just trying to plow forward and get a few yards. So it, it seemed at times like Sean Clifford maybe wasn't even the starting quarterback, that yes, he had all the throws, that Levis didn't throw a single pass while Clifford was 15 for 22, 133 yards, a touchdown and a pick, but it seemed like they were rotating really all game long. Um, what did you guys make of that quarterback carousel against Rutgers? Any thoughts on that and kind of what that means for, for going forward? Well, I think James Franklin foreshadowed this a little bit in weeks past when he talked about the basically urgency to use Will Levis more. He was kind of, you saw Will Levis early on in the season against Indiana. He had that one play where he fumbled uh, the snap and, you know, it turned, it was a turnover for Penn state. And that was a you know crucial turnover in that game. Um, and then you kind of didn't really see him there for a little bit. Um, so and I think it was addressed by James Franklin a couple weeks before because of the struggles that Sean Clifford has kind of gone through this season and the turnover bug hitting him especially. So, you know, we've, we've seen more of Will Levis each week. And obviously, you know, he started that game against Iowa, but he's been in the past three games. Um, in significant snaps and significant situations, but, you know, it's, it just gives the defense a different look. And I think some, some college football teams have done this. Some are starting to do this. It, it just gives a different look for the defense and it gives them more to prepare for. And I do think that there are a certain set of skills that Will Levis has that 
Sean Clifford doesn't. I think he's more of an effective runner, as Donaldson talked about. He runs downhill hard. Um, and I think that that's effective um, most of the time. But I do think that it's just it's a little too predictable. It's just when you run that Falcon package that Penn State has coined it, it just it doesn't really for me, it just doesn't really do it. You have to implement some passes in there. I know James Franklin talked about the weather being a factor as to why they maybe didn't pass the ball or do a couple other things like kick the 48 yard field goal. But, you know, it, it just, it didn't really make sense because when you're scheming as a defense next week when you're Michigan state and looking at that, now it could be Penn State could implement some throws in the Falcon package now because everyone's been talking about it, but looking at Rutgers, pretty much you could guess everything that Penn state was doing in that package every time, time and time again. So to me, it didn't really make sense even though it, it was, it worked sometimes, but there were other times where Penn State, you know, would have like a fourth and five, fourth and three, and they would do, you know, quarterback draw. The bread and butter of the offense, it's, it seems like. So, um, you know, they, they like going to it. But I think that you're going to see more of that. And I think that James Franklin may be, you know, testing the waters who he can kind of get for next year as well. It's kind of like an open audition for quarterback. Um unless they're able to, you know, get a transfer possibly, or, you know, have a guy come up, um, take on Robertson, we were talking about him, maybe he, you know, starts to uh, look good in his snaps. But other than that, yeah, I think it's, it's a really an open audition for next year. That's why you're seeing them as you are. I do think that whenever you have multiple quarterbacks, um, you know, in play, there's, there's potential there to have a, an element of unpredictability. Um, the defense needs to study for two different quarterbacks. This is something that James Franklin brought up, you know, earlier this year, and it's something we're seeing more teams do. Uh, obviously, Nebraska had their two quarterbacks that Penn State needed to prepare for with uh, Martinez and McCaffrey. And we saw a little bit of that with Rutgers as well. Um, we weren't sure if Vedral was going to be the starter, you know, pending what his, his injury status was coming into this game. And if so, we could have seen more of Sitkowski and, uh, and Langan, who we did see Langan for a couple plays, but you know, Rutgers shied away from that as soon as Penn State shut down that possibility. That was just good defense from the Nittany Lions being prepared. Um, so, yeah, when, whenever you have multiple quarterbacks, there's a chance for an element of unpredictability um, to surprise the defense. However, all that unpredictability goes out the window whenever you run the same play with the same guy every single time. I don't think there was a single play with Will Levis on the field that wasn't a quarterback draw every single time. And you know what? I'll give credit. Sometimes it worked. He's a big bodied runner. And obviously the offensive line was instrumental in helping him find those holes sometimes. But every time he was on the field, Rutgers knew it was going to be a quarterback draw. And sure, you can get, a, get away with that against an inferior opponent like Rutgers. But if you're going to try that down the road against a team like Ohio State or Iowa, not going to work. So Penn State needs to figure out what they're going to do with the quarterbacks. I would like to see them try to throw the ball a little bit more with Levis. It seems like they didn't have any trust with him throwing the ball, and that's why he ran it every time he was on the field. Um, I do think, uh, you know, as of right now, Clifford's the only guy that they can trust to throw the football. Um, so maybe that's something they'll work on in practice. Maybe that's something that they, you know, try to work on against Michigan State or next week in, in a season that's pretty much lost at this point at two and five. Just see what you can do for, you know, the future, maybe next year if you want to prep for that. Um, but there, you know, there's opportunities here for the Nittany Lions to, to make a multiple quarterback package work. Um, they just need to fully explore the extent of those and not just run these safe little plays um, that ultimately aren't going to earn you anything in the long run.
Yeah, I'm going to echo what the both of you said pretty much. I look at the the quarterback carousel as, you know, it's cool. It's it's different. It's kind of a new innovative thing that's, you know, taking over um, college and pro football. Um, like you said, it, it allows some unpredictability. And I think uh, Clifford is is certainly the guy that Penn State needs to, you know, be like kind of the main QB. Um, right now he's the better thrower. Um, he, he, he's shown that throughout the season, he just can't turn the ball over. Um, but I mean, especially when the offensive line plays like that, like I said, he looked comfortable, uh, very confident and, and decisive. Um, and then you go and, but Will Levis is probably the better runner. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's actually a phenomenal runner. I, I would say he's better than Clifford. Um, but I mean, like you guys said, you, it's when, when the defense knows what's, what's coming, it completely, you know, takes, you know, the, the unpredictability out of, the, the Falcon package. And it's, it's pretty much redundant after, after that. So I think James Franklin in the coaching staff needs to fool the, the opposing defense with some passes um, need to mix some in. And he did say that um, in the post-game press conference, he, he acknowledged that um, the, that the weather may have influenced uh, some of the decisions and, and that in the future, that is something that they need to mix in. Um, but, you know, I, I at least, Franklin knows it needs to happen. So we'll see next week versus Michigan state. I would, I would presume that the, you know, the double quarterback um, is, is still going to be, you know, what Franklin, you know, looks at to, to use, but, and, and we'll see if he makes some of the changes um, in terms of the, the play calling with, with Levis. I have a quick question uh, before we move on here, guys. Uh, does, does anyone know why it's called the Falcon package? I'm just kind of curious. I, I, the only thing I know about it is that Audrey keeps mentioning it in press conferences. And, I, you know, to paraphrase here, she asked Will Fries about it in one of the media availabilities earlier uh, yesterday and was like, um, so what do you guys make of the Falcon package? And Will Fries didn't even know that it was called that. So it, it's a pretty, pretty new loose term. So I don't know. I don't know a ton about it. I don't know why they call it that per se, but uh, I guess it's called that. I guess it's a uh, guess it's the Falcon package, but that, that's as much as I know, Fieldy. <laughs> Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. Go figure. Yeah, but, uh, you know, while the offense, you know, they ran the ball a ton, a ton against Rutgers, um, and they've won the last two games because of that. Running the ball, it's been really important for the offense. Wide receiver Jahan Dotson, he's kind of been held in check the last two games. Second straight week, he had 30 receiving yards in the game. Through the last two games, he's only got seven catches. Seven catches is still good. I mean, seven for 60 yards. Uh, a lot of receivers would take that, but Jahan had a brilliant start to the season. Dropped off a little bit the last two games, albeit probably getting a lot of pressure uh, from cornerbacks that are keying in on him from both Michigan and Rutgers. So moving forward, what do the Nittany Lions need to do to get him more involved on offense, kind of like they did through the first four or five weeks of the season? Well, yeah, Dustin, you mentioned it. Cornerbacks and defenses are really keying in on Dotson because of the start that he had this year. Um, I think to answer your question, how to get him more involved, we saw a little bit of it in the game on Saturday. I would say quick screens, getting him in space and letting him, you know, move, letting him run. That one screenplay that Penn State was able to run, I think it was more like a slip screen where he kind of came in, caught the ball and hit the hole. And he had a really quick burst and got out there fast. And if it wasn't for an ankle saving tackle by the Rutgers defense, Jahan Dotson would have been gone and took that to the house. So I think that that's a way to get him involved. And I think another way is, is stuff that we've seen in years past with him throwing deep balls he threw one deep ball in particular that I can remember Penn State did not throw the ball down the field much at all on Saturday and that's something that we can maybe talk about a little bit but really 
nothing really there except for that one deep ball and then the Parker Washington touchdown. But the one deep ball to Jahan Dotson, where it was one-on-one one-on-one coverage, thought it might have been pass interference. Maybe that's just me kind of throwing my opinion in there, but it is what it is. Uh, Jahan Dotson almost caught it. So, you know, he, he made a spectacular effort and he's made some spectacular efforts on um, deep balls down the field, if, if you'll remember, uh, against Ohio State as well. Iowa had that long touchdown that DJ called so beautifully. Great call, DJ. Love it. Um, and I think that that's how you try and get him involved. And that's really the majority of where he scored his touchdowns from. Uh, and he's excelled down the middle third of the field. He's got the speed. He's got great hands. And he can he can provide that separation that you're looking for as a quarterback. So I think if there's one way to get him more involved, I think it's taking deep shots. That's something that James Franklin talked about as well in his post-game press conference, the urgency to kind of get the ball, throw the ball down um, deeper in the field, in the middle third or deeper third. So I think that that is, if you're wanting to look, if you're looking to get Jahan Dotson involved, that's where you go to. Yeah, no doubt about it, Field. Dotson is at his best whenever he's streaking down the field and you can throw him those deep balls. So I think in order to get him to contribute the way he was again, the pressure is on the quarterbacks to start succeeding in the deep ball game. And that's something that I would like to see the Nittany Lions do more. They won a very safe game against Rutgers. You know, how many passes were there deep downfield? Not many at all. Um, So I would like to see, you know, like I said, we're at the end of the season here. Penn State's two and five. They're not going anywhere. Um, Use this time to experiment a little bit. Try throwing some deep shots. If you end up throwing some interceptions, sure, you're going to make the fans mad or whatever, but at least you're trying something. You're, you know, you're showing that you're willing to, to take these kind of risks and develop because, you know, the only way you, you develop in life is whenever you make mistakes and learn things. And, and that's something that James Franklin believes more than anybody else. So I really think this is a fine opportunity for them to do that. And I think by doing that, you bring Dotson back in the game again, because that's really where he's in his element. Um, and it certainly helps that he has other receivers that are taking some of the pressure off of him. Um, Parker Washington, of course, has been fabulous. Um, Bretton Strange uh, has done a, a pretty solid job in the replacement of Fryermuth. Obviously, that's a hole that you can't fill all the way, but he's done fine. And all of a sudden, Isaac Letts is starting to contribute as well, so good for him. Um, so I, I think you are taking away a little bit of the targets by, from him but whenever you're opening up the passing game like that. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I just think the way to bring him back in is to put him back into his elements, and that's with those deep shots downfield. So I would like to see more of that. Yeah, you guys, um, you pretty much pretty much nailed it all. Um, with, with Dotson, I think the Penn State offense just has to kind of use the mentality. It's like, feed your playmakers, let your playmakers make plays, give your ball to give the ball to, you know, your guys and, and, and they can make something happen. Like field, you were talking about the, the slip screen um, that Dotson was, was just inches away from breaking, taking it to the house. Um, but even that, I, I guess I would argue that that's still like a, a semi-conservative call. And I thought Penn state called a, called a pretty conservative game uh, versus Rutgers, especially in the second and third quarter um, when I thought, they could have potentially uh, put the game away. Rutgers really never had an opportunity or a clear opportunity to, you know, really get back in the game. But Penn State at the same time um, really didn't, you know, put the, put the game away and really give them that, you know, that devastating blow. Um, so I think go, going off of that, um, I think working in some, like you guys are saying, working in some some deep balls to Jahan Dotson, defenders with with his you know, hot start to the season defenders have been keying on him. Um, 
most likely game planning for him. Um, but, you know, when you're – especially in, in this type of season, uh, it I would take some some downfield shots early. They Penn State really hasn't done that at all this year. The downfield shots I feel like have been, um, you know, later in the game when the Nittany Lions are trying to play catch-up. So, you know, maybe chuck some – some deep balls to Dotson early, um, maybe get him going, catch the defense off off guard. I, I think Clifford has has shown that he has a, a pretty solid deep ball sometimes. Uh, we've seen it a couple times this year with Dotson, um, countless number of times in the past with guys like KJ Hamler, um, even even Pat Firemuth, uh, some. So I think you know just trusting, put putting trust in your quarterback and, and trust in Dotson, who, who's shown he can get it done multiple times and just you know just just taking some chances like like dj said you only you only you know grow in life when uh you make mistakes and, and when you're you know in uncomfortable situations so um i think that's what penn state you know needs to kind of kind of do to to get dots and you know back to back to putting putting up those monster numbers that he was recording at, at the beginning of the season. You know, to transition a little bit, we've talked a lot about the offense uh, when we, with the passing game, with the running game, whatever it may be. But now I, I want to go into the defense a little bit. It, it really stood out against Rutgers. Um, I, I know one of you guys mentioned this earlier, how they held the Scarlet Knights, just 205 yards of total offense. Uh, head coach James Franklin, he said in the post-game press conference that he wanted to see a little bit more out of the team's pass, ru- pass rush. Uh, they still sacked Rutgers quarterback Noah Vedral twice, but regardless, Franklin, he admitted it was a great game for Penn State's defense, uh, especially its second great game in a row. Uh, they've given up 24 points in the last two games combined. So h- how do you guys evaluate where the defense is right now, considering where it was the previous five games, where really it was drawing a lot of flack both nationally and within the team itself? Uh, where do you evaluate where the defense is now? I think they're playing with a lot of confidence and a lot of swagger. They you know, have that energy and that juice that they were missing earlier on in the season. They really looked kind of pedestrian out there um, against, you know, the first five weeks of opponents. But I think, yeah, they're playing with much more confidence now and that wins will do that for a team on both sides of the ball. But I think defense specifically because they played well um, in the past two weeks, they're, they just look more, you know, confident in themselves. You have a lot of young guys out there um, you know, with Joey Porter Jr., Keaton Ellis. I mean, the linebacking core is still pretty young. Um, you know, a lot of young young guys out there. So they're getting a lot of reps and a lot of experience, and they're starting to kind of, you know, gain that, you know, momentum that I was talking about. So how they were able to really, you know, perform in the past couple weeks, I guess, in a, an evaluation standpoint, I think obviously these are the best two games that they've played all season. Um, you know, to pinpoint, I guess, two things specifically, the pressure up front, as Destin mentioned, uh, yeah, they aren't getting home as much, but they still are creating pockets that are making opposing quarterbacks uneasy. You know, Noah Vedral looked very, very uncomfortable um, in yesterday's game. And, you know, he was running a little, you know, scared as, you know, we're quoting Matt Millen every five seconds in this podcast, but it doesn't matter. He, he had some good quotes. He, he was running scared. I agree. He was kind of, you know, uneasy with what was going on around him and credit to Shaka Tony, Jason Elway coming off the edge. Um, but Antonio Sheldon, I thought did a really nice job and has done some nice things. Uh, you know, when you look at the defensive line and those front two guys in the middle, 
PJ Mustafer is the guy that you talk about normally, but I think Shelton's done some nice things. And then how about Fred Hanser, former classmate of mine, did some nice things as well. He made a play on a stop with uh, PJ Mustafer as well. So, you know, they, they've done some good things in creating push and creating, you know, winning the, that battle in the trenches that we stress that's so important. They've been able to do that. And then the secondary has done nice things in coverage too. Joey Porter's had a really nice season. I think a really breakout player for Penn State and then so, someone we talked about early on the season is a player to watch out for. He's done some nice things and uh, the linebackers have been able to, you know, not miss as many tackles. I know Jesse Lucchetta missed another tackle, but Brandon Smith, I thought was uh, really solid and his closing speed and then being able to wrap up is uh, when he, when he gets you, it's, it's, you're not getting away most of the time. So I know when he goes for that big hit, kind of like, Oh, he could whiff at points, which he has, but when he's able to wrap up and when he closes, like he, he's a scary player and he has a really high upside. And I think he's just reaching the surface of hitting his potential. Like he hasn't even hit his prime yet. And I can't wait to see that. Yeah. I mean, just this defensive performance, you know, clearly the best that they've had this entire year. Um, to finish off the second half of my um, uh, argument here um, about how they were dominating the line of scrimmage, you know, they only had two sacks, but those numbers don't tell the whole story. Noah Vedra looked like he was running for his life the entire game. Um, and I think, you know, to quote Joey Porter Jr. here in the, the press conference, it's because they're really playing as a team now. Um, they are starting to figure each other out. They're starting to figure out who's good at what, who's not good at what. Uh, and they're playing to their strengths, and, and they did that against Rutgers. It was a very impressive thing to see, and, you know, the two good defensive performances in a row here is, is certainly um, hugely encouraging. Um, and something else I want to mention is just how deep this defense is. Uh, you know, obviously, we hear about guys like P.J. Mostafer uh, and Jason Owe playing good football, but you take a look at the other guys that are contributing. You mentioned Fred Hansard, Shane Simmons had a couple big tackles, and how about Daquan Hardy with the one sack that he had on Vedral? This is a team that, you know, is showing some potential depth here. It's not just the starters that are contributing. It's the guys that are playing behind them as well that are also coming up and making huge plays. So, I mean, you know, you take a look at how they're playing football, how they're playing as a unit, and how deep of a roster they seem to be. It's nothing but encouraging, especially compared to where they were earlier this season. Yeah, um, DJ kind of stole my uh, my quote that I was going to use from from Joey Porter Jr. in the, in the postgame press conference. So, um, I'll keep it short and sweet, but that quote, that quote, I really think, you know, embodies something that, that I've been dwelling on for, for the entire season. Um, I, I really didn't think uh, through the, you know, the 0 and 5 stretch that the defense was playing a, as a unit was playing as a team. It seemed like they were playing for themselves as individuals. And that's what, you know, Joey Porter Jr. Um, kind of reiterated. He said that the defense has really stepped up and, and they're playing more as a group Um and I, if I, I'll break it down real quick. It starts up front, like I was saying um, earlier, with the defensive line uh, field. You mentioned Mustaf- PJ Mustafer, uh, Shelton, Hansard. They all had phenomenal games, just disruptive constantly um, in, in the Scarlet Knights backfield. You, you mentioned Brandon Smith as well, uh, former five-star recruit who I think is really, really starting to come into his own, and I think he's going to be a, an absolute stud um, soon here for the Nittany Lions. Um, Porter Jr., Tariq Castro Fields in the secondary, no explosive plays, completely locked down the back end of the field, which Penn State has struggled to do. So, you know, there's there's everybody's doing their job. You know, everybody's, you know, complimenting each other. And and that, you know, makes for for a dominant, dominant performance. And that's what we saw on Saturday. 
All right, last question here, guys. We've talked about offense. We've talked about defense. Now to quote James Franklin, it's time to go to the third phase. And Penn State won in the third phase of the game as well. Special teams. They seem to have taken a turn for the better for Penn State. Um, Nittany Lions converted all three field goals. No kickoffs out of bounds by Jordan Stout. Didn't happen last week for sure. Um, He also made a 47-yarder with wind gusts around 30 miles per hour during the game. That's something we haven't even talked about too much is the weather really played a factor in the opening uh, first half, really. But uh, I I was pretty surprised to see him out there considering it's usually Jake Pinniger from within 50, and then they go to uh, Stout when it's past 50 yards. But Stout nailed it right down the middle. And in tough conditions, it seemed like, the special teams really came up big against Rutgers, uh, didn't it, Andrew? Yeah, it really did. And it's something we haven't talked about in a couple weeks. So, you know, if you're listening, we, we do talk a lot about the same things. But I haven't really touched on the special teams that many times this season just because the play has been a little inconsistent. When you look at the start of the year, I, I think that this tweet is actually really something to, to go off of. It's uh, per Dial, uh, Tyler Donahue um, of 247 Sports. Um, he said – Jake Pinniger, his status, Jake Pinniger was one of four on field goals through the first three games of the season. Since then, he's seven of seven. So looking at his development over the season, um, he was very consistent in his past couple of years, but he's more of a short distance kicker. And especially looking at the way he kicks the ball um, with the curve and hook that he has in his kick, it's definitely something that when you're talking about a game that you're battling the elements and there's a lot of wind and a lot of things at at play that you kind of think, uh, is he the best guy to put out there? I don't know, but he was able to nail his kicks. um, But the first extra point was a little suspect to say the least, I guess is the word. Um, And he almost missed it. And I did, if you, if you remember, I did almost, I picked a Jake Pinnegar missed extra point. I think I said, why? I think I said, why? Right. So I was so close, but yet fate, uh, Feels that from my clutches, but I guess regardless, you talk about Jordan Stout as well. Uh, he's that long distance kicker. You know, he's at 47 yards with that kick that he was able to nail earlier in the game. The weather again a factor, so that's why James Franklin decided to go for it on fourth and 13, um, which a lot of people were a little confused about. So I think you know that was his rationale there. But other than that, I think. Um, you know, both guys are pretty solid. Both bring different skill sets. I think if you want to talk about Jordan Stout a little bit more, for me, I guess, him punting the ball has been a little, he's been a little inconsistent with his punts. There was one punt that, again, could have been knocked down by the weather that I think he really kind of missed. And he's he's kind of, uh, he hasn't got as much distance on them this year. Um, and, you know, you talk about the expectation with him bombing kicks in and out, like down the, uh, through the end zone um, last year, and then him getting the nickname Touchback Jesus. I mean, those expectations are pretty lofty. And when he kind of struggles on a couple punts, you kind of were like, oh, you know, because that's the expectation that people have. People expect him to, to boom the ball down the field. And when he doesn't do that, it's like, oh, what's wrong with this guy? So I, I'm still very high on him. I think he's a really talented player. But I think overall, they both they both executed really well. And the coverage teams have done a really good job. You know, we mentioned Drew Hartlob a little bit um, in his play last week against Michigan. But uh, other than that, I think Joe Lorg has done a nice job. The special teams have greatly improved. And I think that they're trending in the right direction. Yeah, special teams has certainly improved leaps and bounds. You mentioned it. They've done so much better in the kicking game, you know, especially in the difficult condition, conditions that were out in Piscataway yesterday. Um, we saw that being a factor early as to why, you know, on fourth and 11, 
on the first drive of the game, they opted to go for it instead of trying to kick the long field goal. You know, whether or not that was the right play, eventually when the conditions cleared up a little bit, Franklin put his trust back in the special teams and they didn't disappoint him. They played very well. Um, and I'd like to mention the coverage game was excellent as well. Uh, Aaron Crookshank is a guy who had a return touchdown against Purdue last week. They completely shut him down two returns, 24 yards. That was it. They wouldn't, they were not letting anything get past them on the return game. And they've done a pretty good job of that all year. So you know, got to give kudos all around to the, to the special team squad. It, it seems like, you know, we talk about the defense and the offense improving a lot, but all three facets of the game have been improving throughout the entire year for Penn state. Yeah, absolutely. Um, special teams. Yeah. We haven't talked about it that much. Um, it hasn't been, you know, great early on the season. I feel like it's kind of been up and down some highs, some lows, but uh, without a doubt, way better recently. Uh, and then on, on Saturday, very impressive performance. I'll repeat what you guys said. The the conditions were not ideal, um, especially when it comes to kicking the ball. Uh, it was very, very windy. Um, I think the, the broadcast, I think it said winds were around like 25, 26 miles per hour at, at one point. So, you know, that's, that's not easy to work with. And uh, Jordan Stout drilled a uh, 47-yarder. Pinnegar, um, like Field was saying, rebounded uh, from his, you know, struggles early early in the season and made all his kicks. Um, so, yeah, special teams um, d- definitely did what they needed to do, uh, you know, in, in order for Penn State to get the victory. Well, that will do it for uh, the Com Radio Football Insiders podcast. The Nittany Lions have now won two games in a row for the first time this season, and they'll take on Michigan State this Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Really, guys, a commanding performance for the Nittany Lions. They beat the Rutgers Scarlet Knights 23-7 and moved to 2-5. and five. For DJ Bauer, Zach Donaldson, and Andrew Field, I'm Andrew Destin, and thank you for listening.